You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner to English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 266, Volume 3, uh, entitled Esoteric Lessons, 1913-1923, by Rudolf Steiner, translated by Marsha Post. This is the fifth section, which will cover pages 191-234. to Esoteric Lesson, given in Munich on December 9, 1913. Record A. In order to progress in our esoteric life, we must become more attentive to the observation of things that tend to go mostly unnoticed in our daily life. Also, first, we must form other ideas about what we will experience. For instance, we complain that thoughts storm into our meditation and disturb and irritate us. Were we really to think about this, we would have to recognize that this is progress. We have become more sensitive, and therefore notice that these thoughts are stronger than we ourselves are. They cause us to exert more strength in our meditation, because Luciferic beings bring up into us our own thoughts. These Luciferic beings are always in us. It is only that they are drowned out in the surging of daily life. When we walk at night through a quiet woods, we hear quite clearly the soft falling of leaves, the scurrying of animals on the ground, and the coming of footsteps from a distance. However, such quiet sounds would be totally imperceptible in the noise of a large city. It is just the same with our meditations. The stillness that we create allows us to notice what goes unnoticed in the noise of everyday life. All kinds of things can enter our consciousness, for instance, a pain in our physical body that we do not otherwise feel. We can concentrate on our body to look for the pain. This is, however, good to do only in quite special cases. With this process, we start somewhat above our head and shutting out all other thoughts, concentrate our attention only on this one point. Then we go further down, and concentrate on a part of our brain, and so on. We will notice how we can have pain in the various parts of our body, and the more egotistical we are, the more pain we feel, and the more clearly we feel the pain. Yet we must not become hypochondriacs and become afraid of this. We must keep our head held high. Readers aside, these are the notes of participants, by the way, and not the actual stenographical words of Rudolf Steiner. And to put uh, readers aside. However, we must do this also with many other things, because strange things can happen to us, things that can baffle us and that we must examine thoroughly. Our whole constitution, the relationship of our bodies, our members to one another, changes during meditation. Even when we do the meditation poorly and clumsily, we still pull the eye astral body, and a part of the etheric body out of the physical body. Through this, in the minutes after the meditation, 
we can have peculiar experiences in our etheric body. This etheric body is a true preserver of all that we have consciously or unconsciously met in life. We could, in our childhood, for example, have experienced a dog being run over by a train. Over the years we have overcome the whole terrible scene. Yet the etheric body has preserved it, and after thirty or forty years we can, through our development, suddenly sense a barking and whining coming from ourselves. It can even be that we really bring forth sounds like barking and then are shocked at ourselves. This happens because the etheric body is loosened during development and emerges quite strongly and works upon the physical body. A second example. After a middle ear infection, esotericists can have a pain that leads to visions of a horrible scene, the cause of which they cannot explain. The connection is the following. Pains do not dwell in the physical body, but in the astral body. We know this as theosophists and understand, therefore, how completely wrong it is that Metterlink maintained in his last book that a soul that no longer had a body could not feel pain. We know that disembodied souls in Kamaloka, for instance, can suffer great pain. The pain in the astral body is reflected in the etheric body. Esotericists experience the vibrations thus generated in the etheric body, but at the same time they experience similar vibrations that were generated in their childhood by soul pain they felt when they experienced the terrible scene. They had long forgotten the event, but through esoteric development and the outer cause of pain, the experience emerges from out of the etheric body. Something even more peculiar is possible. We need only to have lived wall-to-wall with a family who read aloud and told robber stories. Our physical ears did not hear them, but our etheric body took them in. And it can happen with spiritual development that we experience these stories in our etheric body. Such things can frighten us if we do not understand them. Let us assume that people in an esoteric lesson or let us say, in a public lecture, fall asleep due to a lack of interest. Their eye and astral body, however, are still present. When they then awaken, it can happen that the physical body does not want to adapt to what this returning astral body and eye have taken in. This then leads to the people in question being at odds with themselves. They reproach themselves severely or even feel physical pain. Or it can happen that people who take in the esoteric teachings with great attention and also do their exercises well are among those who silently reject theosophy and esotericism, and they might even express it. This then works on in esotericists, and it can happen that after the meditation voices speak out of themselves saying, that is all nonsense, or much more terrible things that torment them. These are, however, the thoughts in their surroundings, which they perhaps did not hear with the physical ear. They are, as it were, possessed by them. Through lifting out the eye, we take everything that is good in us, our good behavior with us, and refine it more and more. We push our bad behavior down, and it takes on a kind of independent life. It can thus happen that we begin mechanically to scold or to say things that we were reared not to say. This can astonish us 
and fill us with horror. Perhaps we say, I am not like this. I am too respectable for this. However, we must admit in relation to such things that we are like this because such things disappear only when we have removed them from us once and for all. And yet all of these experiences are progress and the important thing is to recognize their meaning and significance. Above all, it is necessary that we understand that it is our own fault that we have difficulty entering into the spiritual worlds. However, when we ascend to the spiritual worlds, we will meet him who took our guilt upon himself through the mystery of Golgotha. He took our weakness upon himself. That is a true word of the Bible, just as everything in the Bible is true. And those who reject having their guilt wiped out by Christ have not penetrated into the depths of this truth. Just as little as the, in quotes, good Christian who believes but finds the matter to be quite simple. The development of the world is very complicated and hides a riddle in every atom, and every atom can become a world. The example of the middle ear infection can teach us that. What is experienced in the etheric body is like a world that comes into being out of something small. Inspirations for the material world can also come to us from out of the higher worlds, There is something that people pay too little attention to and read right past when they read about the life of Wallace, the friend of the famous nature researcher Darwin. Wallace himself tells us that the thought that led to one of the most important discoveries in relation to physical heredity came to him in a fever dream. The fact that this thought came to him in a circumstance in which his physical brain was unfit for thinking should give the materialists who regard thinking as a function of the brain, much to think about. Darwin also traveled extensively in the tropics, and it is quite possible that he made some discoveries with regard to physical conditions while he had a fever. In our materialistic age, people will pay attention to such things only when, in such extraordinary circumstances, like through inspiration, things are found that can be valued materially. For example, when they invent something in this way that can make them rich. Until then, people consider all such things to be monster products of a sick fantasy. If we continue our meditation with industriousness, perseverance and energy, then help will always come to us from the one who brought his impulse into earth evolution. This help is always present. End of Record A Record B Disturbances during meditation are actually signs of progress. They can have various causes and are often complicated. For example, an earlier middle ear infection can later awaken images of painful processes in the etheric body. Or the neighbors read robber stories in their house. We did not physically hear the stories at all, but yet we took them in through the etheric body. This can then have the effect that within the meditative state, It is as if we experience such robber stories within ourselves. Forgotten experiences emerge out of the subconsciousness. For example, a dog that had been run over by a train suddenly barks from within us because the shock of this event is stuck in our etheric body and then surfaces subconsciously during our meditation. 
We might fall asleep during a lecture. Yet what we hear penetrates into the physical and etheric bodies and perhaps comes up later as an unclear imagination or image during meditation. Also ugly conversations or conversations that are at enmity with theosophy have an effect. What is ugly presses down into the loosened, physical and etheric bodies and works there often quite automatically, whereas the finer soul stirrings live more in the higher soul spiritual realms. For this reason, theosophy often has an unpleasant effect in other surroundings. The end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Cologne on December 18, 1913. Those who take the esoteric path must always have an eye on the goal of entering into the spiritual world through death or through initiation. Things are just the opposite there to what they are in the physical world. Just as soon as we begin an esoteric training, the soul changes, progress begins. The astral body and the eye separate, and the connection between the two lowest parts, physical body and etheric body, is only a loose one. That thoughts of an exoteric and often abominable nature storm us during meditation is a sign of progress. The high powers place our lower nature before us. These are reminiscences that we sometimes have as voices and whispers around us. It is the lower nature permeated with Lucifer and Araman, the nature that so loved Lucifer and Araman. For this reason they are within us. Also a high degree of sensitivity to our surroundings is a sign of the loose connection of the four members of our being. The etheric body takes in the thoughts and feelings of the surroundings and then reproduces them. Parenthesis. Example, as a child before the seventh year of life, we experience a dog or cat getting run over. We could then, in esoteric training, experience the anguished cries of the animal coming from within us as memory from the etheric body. Example, a middle ear infection, a pain nuance in connection with some kind of immortality. In reminiscence, this can emerge as voices that often call out terrible things. Close parenthesis. We must face all of these things with courage and acquire the forces to overcome them, even if only in the next incarnation. The main thing is to always practice truthfulness. Precisely in our time, truthfulness has been lost in the making of judgments. We incarnate again and again in order to achieve truthfulness and morality in the physical world and to take them with us into the spiritual world. Araman has taken possession of the world and we must hold the counterbalance to him through our esoteric life. We must be conscious of the biblical saying, Christ is to come to take our weakness upon himself. Close quote. End of Esoteric Lesson Esoteric Lesson given in Leipzig, December 30, 1913, Record A If the viewer were right, which the sole investigator of the Middle Ages had, and which is shared by modern psychologists, then there would be no esotericism. During the Middle Ages the sentence was coined, Everything that occurs in the soul is intentional. 
All soul processes are based on a specific intention. When I think, my thinking has a specific content. I must think something. When I feel, hope, imagine, and will, I must feel something. Hope something, imagine, and will something. The soul investigator of the Middle Ages expressed this clearly, much more clearly and exactly than the modern psychologists, because our age is a time of the blurred concept. If this view represented in the Middle Ages were correct, an esoteric thinking would not be possible, as esotericists want to eliminate precisely this something from their soul and make it completely empty, so that the divine thinking can flow into their soul. In a certain sense, this is not brought about by our exercises, because in our exercises we concentrate on specific words, images, etc., which are given to us by the spiritual teacher. Thus we meditate indeed on something, but not something taken from the sense world. And our soul is prepared through these exercises, when it has matured sufficiently, to receive the divine existence. What is the purpose, then, of concentrated thinking? Its purpose is to lead us away from the materialistic thoughts around us and to bring us to rest in a specific thought content. Gradually we must reach the point in the meditation of disregarding a particular object of our thinking, of making ourselves completely free of it, and of developing the forces themselves that are necessary for thinking. The soul investigators of the Middle Ages knew this quite well, but they followed a rule that is still followed by many today. It is a fundamental rule for all theories of knowledge. They said it is very difficult to achieve thinking, feeling, and willing without having intention, and what is difficult is impossible for the human being. Therefore all of those ideas about the limit of knowledge came into philosophy. Naturally, it is not so easy in meditation for esotericists to remove the content of their thinking, feeling, and willing and to develop only the forces themselves. Only through constant, strenuous meditation will we achieve this. Basically, meditants find themselves in the same situation as the sleeping human being, only they remain conscious. What takes place in sleep? The astral body and the eye leave the body, and the physical body and etheric body remain lying on the bed. This is, as I have often mentioned, correct only to a certain degree. Just as the sun goes down only for part of the earth's globe in order to rise for the other half, so too only a part of the physical body rests. In the other part, the sun of the astral body and eye begin to develop their activity. During sleep, the astral body and eye are indeed pulled out of the nervous system and blood system, but they begin to work with their forces into the rest of the physical system, into the sense organs and gland organs. This will be clear through a comparison. Who has not at some time fallen asleep in an underheated room and has, in addition, been not well prepared for sleep and then upon awakening has had the unpleasant feeling that their body has grown cool. The reason is that during sleep the astral body and eye are not in the body, at least not in the blood system or nervous system. In contrast, they move, also during sleep, through the gland organs and sense organs. 
Let us consider those who have a sweet tooth. Naturally, their glands are differently formed, because they have not yet overcome the desire for sweet food. We must bear in mind that during meditation, the organs are left on their own. The astral body and eye leave once they make themselves independent. It is no different with the sense organs. It seems paradoxical that the senses are most awake when we sleep, yet it is true. Let us take, for example, the eye, E-Y-E. While our eyes are closed during sleep, the forces of the eye, capital, and astral body work into them. In contrast, when we are awake, our eyes actually sleep. If they did not do this, we could not use them. It is also true that the sun of the astral body and eye, capital, rises for that half-globe comprised of the sense and gland systems. Those who become conscious while asleep can experience the light that works on the eyes, that build up the senses, and that must stop during the day so that we can see. Such people can, if they can extend their sight and contract it again, have in their field of vision an image of an angel floating toward them. If they could expand their vision, they would see, projected out of themselves, an angel in battle with a demon. This imagination arises because during sleep the blood is occupied with taking care of the eyes. The gods, the archangels, have worked upon the human eye, E-Y-E, throughout the ages. When we become clear about this, we will also sense how disastrous it is that modern physiology sends a probe into what was created over millions of years by the hierarchies of divine beings. When meditants look at themselves from outside, they can get the feeling of a space filled with only warmth, like a kind of oven. What lives within it is what lives and weaves in our soul life as our own. We know that there are four kinds of ether, warmth ether, light ether, chemical ether, and life ether. Warmth is not merely the movement of molecules, as physicists believe, but it is the first of the four ethers. The warmth we have as our own warmth does not come from physical or chemical processes but from, at least with human beings, with animals, it is different, the fact that an eye, capital, and an astral body are active. During meditation, it is possible to feel our own warmth inside and far outside of our body as a warmth sphere that fills the place where we would otherwise feel our body and further outwards. We must feel this warmth ether that surrounds us. Much attention is necessary for this, Naturally, if someone would come near us and want to stab us, we would notice something only when the skin is touched. We cannot imagine that we are being stabbed only when the ether around us is struck. Beginning esotericists sense nothing of this ether. They sense something quite different, thoughts that storm them, often long-forgotten pictures, feelings, and cares penetrate into them. They then come and complain. Then the more experienced esotericists can say, Congratulations for the progress that you are now noticing. Appropriate for this is the word of the John Gospel, quote, And the light shines into the darkness, but the darkness has not comprehended it. Close quote. For this warmth 
that is in us is darkness. The light wants to penetrate from outside, but it cannot, because in the warmth itself a battle is taking place between two kinds of warmth. It will be difficult for people to recognize that these two kinds of warmth exist. In order to understand this somewhat more clearly, we must go to the farmers, to the farmer philosophy or wisdom, at least as it once was. In the last decades, the farmers have fallen away from this wisdom because they have come more into contact with cities. The old farmers were not dumb. They knew much in their farmer philosophy. One time an old shepherd said, as a thunderstorm was approaching, that there were two weathers moving toward one another. Modern physics would speak of positive and negative electricity, but with these abstract concepts, its understanding ends. The old shepherd felt and still knew, out of the depths of his soul, that when a thunderstorm forms, two powers fight against each other. A battle takes place there. Modern people are no longer conscious of the two kinds of warmth. They can more easily imagine that there are two kinds of light, the inner light, luciferic, and the outer, the divine light, that they see approaching them in meditation. Yet besides our own warmth, which is luciferic, there is also the warmth that can radiate toward us from outside, a warmth that we at first sense as a coldness during meditation. It is a good sign during meditation to feel ourselves breathed upon by this coldness, which is the warmth of the spiritual world. Having given ourselves up to this coldness, we feel our own warmth like a sphere around us and within us. We have passed as if through a fiery furnace in which everything luciferic within us is burned. And yet this fire of the divine wrath, which is actually love, is felt as coldness being breathed upon us. When we have gained the knowledge of this process, we come to say, Thank God I am being tormented and punished to experience the divine wrath that burns away what should no longer exist in me. Then the warmth from outside comes to us, which at first is felt as coldness. And with it comes light, that though it is from Lucifer, comes from the good side of Lucifer. Light that streams into human beings gives them knowledge, Lucifer. The source of this light is Yahweh, who lives in the cosmic wisdom water. The spirits of the good hierarchies use Lucifer in order to shine this light into us. Lucifer equals light knowledge, warmth, Christ, love. First, we must recognize Christ as the highest, then experience Him as He Himself shines in to us as love, life. It is Christ versus Lucifer. In this way we can come to a soul life that does not have intent to a spiritual world that is not merely a continuation of the physical, but is a totally different world. The Rose Cross can be a symbol of all of this for us. Often people say that the Rose Cross remains only a symbol for them. This is, however, their own fault. In title Outline of Esoteric Science, it is already indicated with what feelings we should imbue ourselves so that the rose cross will not be just a symbol 
but will become a living force. We could also transform what was said today into a feeling. From God we are born. Ex Deonasimur. Because Lucifer mixed into creation, the wood of the cross must burn, must become charred and become black, in blank morimur. When we have thus died in Christ, then can there come to us from outside, from the seven planets, the cosmic forces, the forces of the seven red heavenly roses, which shine into us as light and warmth. The end of record A, record B. If the view of the psychologists of the Middle Ages, shared by most of the modern psychologists too, were correct, no esotericism would be possible. The psychologists of the Middle Ages expressed it more exactly and clearly than those today, as ours is a time of blurred, unclear concepts. They said that the entire human soul life is filled with intent. They meant by this that it would always have to have a content. People could not merely think, but they would have to think a something. Thus, they could also not merely feel, will, hope, expect, or imagine, without directing themselves to a specific content. It must be just the opposite in esotericism. All of our exercises have the goal of teaching us to think without thinking something, a content, and so on. What we practice is not the essential thing, but is only a preparation for what we want to achieve through it, thinking, and so on, without an object, objectless thinking. What purpose does this concentrated thinking serve? The purpose is to lead us away from the outer material thoughts that buzz around us and to direct our thinking to a specific thought. Gradually we should then also succeed in disregarding or setting aside the object upon which we concentrate in meditation and make ourselves totally free of it and develop only the forces themselves that are necessary for thinking. The psychologists of the Middle Ages knew this quite well, but they used a rule that is also used by a majority of people today. It has become a fundamental rule of all theories of knowledge. They said, it is very difficult to achieve thinking, feeling, and so on without intent, and what is so difficult becomes also impossible for human beings. From this came later all the ideas about the boundary and limits of our capacity for knowledge, and so on. For esotericists it should, however, become possible to develop a totally different thought life than the ordinary one. Through meditation, we should be able to enter into the same condition as that of the sleeping human being, and yet be conscious. Let us take a concrete example. When people sleep in a room that has not been properly heated, and upon waking up feel cold, it is more difficult for them to warm themselves than it is when they are involved in their usual activities in their daily life. Why is this? It is said that in sleep the physical body and etheric body remain on the bed and the astral body and I depart. That is approximately correct, just as correct as when we say that during the night the sun has disappeared from the earth. That is true for one half of the earth, but not for the other half. 
So in sleep the astral body and I are indeed out of the blood and nervous systems. But then they permeate the sense and the gland systems all the more. It will perhaps seem strange that the sense organs are most awake precisely when we human beings are asleep. Yet this is the case. When we are awake during the day, our eyes and so on are sleeping. If our eyes were not sleeping, we could not see. Thus for the, quote, half of the earth, close quote, of the sense organs and glandular system, the sun of the astral body and the eye rises at night. When we manage to become conscious in sleep, we can experience the light that works on the eyes and builds up the sense organs, and which must stop during the day so that we can, in quotes, see. We experience this in imaginative pictures. We can perhaps have in our field of vision the image of an angel, projected out of ourselves, that floats toward us. If we could extend our vision yet further, we would behold an archangel fighting with a demon. This would be the image. It would be the image of the blood taking care of the eyes, and through this the lens of the eye becomes smaller and larger. This is expressed then in the image described. Ordinary human beings could come and say, then what I perceive would only be something that I create out of myself. Esotericists speak differently, however. They will know that light would not be possible if the archangel were not constantly fighting and overcoming the darkness, and that this is what is expressed in the image. The archangels have worked through the ages on the eye, E-Y-E. When we become clear about this, we will then sense in how disastrous a manner modern physiology probes the organ that was built up by the hierarchies of divine spiritual beings over millions of years. When meditants observe themselves from outside, they can get the feeling of a room or space that is filled only with warmth, like a kind of baking oven. What lives in this is what lives and weaves in us, in our human soul life, as our own nature. This warmth that we have as our own warmth is not a movement, as physics believes, but the first of four kinds of ether. It does not come from physical and chemical processes, at least not with the human being. With the animals it is different but comes about because an I, capital, and an astral body live in the human being. In meditation, it is possible to feel our own warmth within and even outside of our bodies, like a warmth sphere that fills the place where we would otherwise feel our body and somewhat beyond. It is not easy to sense this, and much attention is necessary for it. Beginning esotericists will at first experience something quite different than this warmth sphere. They will experience the storming in of thoughts. These are sometimes long-forgotten thoughts, cares, feelings, etc. To this, the more experienced esotericist can say, I congratulate you on your progress that you are now noticing. The words of the John Gospel apply here, quote, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not comprehended it. This warmth that is in us is darkness, 
From outside the light wants to enter, but it cannot, because in the warmth itself a battle is taking place between two kinds of warmth. It will be difficult for modern people to see that there could be two different kinds of warmth. In order to see this, we must go to the farmers, who still have the farmer philosophy, at least as it once was anyway. For in the last decades, farmers have become more and more dumb, in quotes, but only because they have come more and more into contact with the cities. The earlier farmers were not dumb, and they had a farmer philosophy. An old shepherd once said as a thunderstorm approached that it is actually two conditions of weather that are moving toward one another. Modern natural scientists will speak of positive and negative electricity and will have many things to tell, but their understanding ceases the moment they say the word electricity. The old shepherd felt that when a thunderstorm comes, there are two powers that fight each other, that a battle takes place there. Modern people no longer have a consciousness of the two kinds of warmth. We could more easily imagine that there are two kinds of light, the inner light that comes from Lucifer and the outer light that we see coming toward us in meditation. Besides our own warmth, which is Luciferic, there is also a warmth that can ray forth to us from outside, which we feel at first as coldness in meditation. It is a good sign to feel ourselves breathed upon in meditation by the coldness that radiates out of the spiritual worlds. Surrendering ourselves to this coldness, we feel our own warmth as a sphere within and around us. We go through a fiery oven in which everything that is luciferic in us is burned. In spite of that, it is felt as cold. And we come to say, thank God that I am being tormented, that I would be found mature enough to experience the divine warmth that burns away what should not exist in me. Then the warmth from outside, which at first is felt as coldness, moves into us and comes together with the light that comes from the good side of Lucifer. The spirits of the good hierarchies use Lucifer to shine the light into us. In this way we can attain a soul life that is not causal and a spiritual world that is not merely a continuation of the physical world but is a totally different world. The rose cross can become a symbol for all of this. Often esoteric students say, the rose cross continues to be only a symbol for me. Then they must be given as an answer. That is your own fault. Already noted in title Outline of Esoteric Science are the feelings with which we should imbue ourselves so that the rose cross does not remain just a symbol. What was said today we can change into a feeling. Out of God we are born, ex Deo nascimur. Because Lucifer mixed into creation, the wood of the cross must burn, become charred, must become black. In Christo morimur, in Christ we die. If we have died in such a way in Christ, then there can come to us from outside the seven cosmic forces, the forces of the seven red roses, which can shine into us as light and warmth, per spiritum sanctum revivissimus. Through the Spirit we are reborn. End of Record B. Record C. 
In the view of the soul held from the Middle Ages, all thinking, feeling, and willing is intentional, has content. If that were true, there could be no esotericism. As the goal of esotericism is precisely to free the soul life from the content that comes from the physical world. If we meditate really well, all content must disappear from our soul life. Only then do we become mature enough to feel something stream into us from the other side, from out of the spiritual world. We can make this clear with an example. When we sleep, we actually do something similar to what happens during proper meditation. We draw with our astral body and I, capital, out of the body. Because of this, it can happen that we, when we don't take care that the room is well heated, feel chilled or cool upon awakening, because the eye and astral body do not, as is otherwise the case, work in our blood system and nervous system and warm us. When we sleep, they do not withdraw totally, but work in the sense organs and in the glandular system. They work on the eyes and the other sense organs at this time, much more than during the day, when we are using our eyes, etc., and above all they work in the glandular system. Because the work is taking place more in the glandular and sense organs, the first visions often manifest in a bodily fashion, an angel that conquers a devil, forces that work in the eyes. When we make progress in esotericism, we can feel around us the aura of warmth that our eye and astral body draw to themselves out of the circling warmth ether. We normally do not feel this because thoughts, memories, cares, etc. arise and want to disturb our meditation. When we conquer these disturbances, however, we feel around us the aura of our warmth. We can then feel deeply the truth of the words, quote, and the light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not comprehended it, close quote. For what we ray out of ourselves is darkness that prevents the divine light from shining into us. It is our luciferic soul life that presses outward as darkness, warmth, and hinders the divine luciferic, wisdom, light, from raying into us from out of the spiritual worlds. Spirit of Truth, Holy Spirit. Farmer philosophy of two storms that collide with each other. Also, with the warmth something similar occurs. Also there comes toward the warmth that we radiate from us, the warmth of God. This warmth out of the spiritual world is felt by us as the opposite, as a breath of cold upon us. It is not comfortable to feel the divine warmth washing around us, warmth that we feel as cold, but this is precisely the spiritual burning process. We must go through the fiery oven of our own luciferic soul life that we have set outside of ourselves. And then we feel ourselves washed with the divine warmth that is like the cold, so that the burning process is like a freezing process. Thus must all of our darkness and egotistical warmth be burned before the divine light can ray in upon us. We can think of the rose cross, the charred wood, the body, and then the pure light roses, 
the divine forces newly radiating into us. Then we will become deeply conscious of the mystery of Golgotha. Our passions must be as if burned so that we can receive the pure light of the spiritual world. E-D-N-I-C-M-P-S-S-R Concentration on a sentence formulation or on an imaginative picture. Meditation, soul quiet, streaming into us of the divine, be it in our cosmic thoughts or in images or inspiration and intuition. End of record C, record D. If we wanted to believe the doctrines of the Middle Ages, we would have to assume that an esoteric life would absolutely not be possible. At that time, people were followers of what we can call intentional content, thinking, feeling, and willing. People had to think something, feel something, and will something. Esotericists should, however, free themselves precisely from this. In meditation, a pulling together of the soul forces must take place in stillness and tranquility. Beginning esotericists almost always complain that they fail at this and that. Pictures and thoughts rise up that they cannot ward off. These cloud their meditation. Experienced esotericists should answer them, Congratulations, you have taken the first steps. Said in approximate terms, During sleep the astral body and I are out of the physical body and etheric body. Yet this does not fully correspond to the reality. It corresponds fully just as little as when we say that the sun goes under and so forth. For the one side of the earth the sun does indeed go under, but at the same time it rises for the other half. It is the same for the astral body and the eye with their forces. During sleep the senses and glands are actually awake because they are being worked on. During day-waking consciousness, for instance, the eye is not awake at all. Otherwise it would not be able to perceive things in space. It would not be able to see. Only in the night does the spiritual of the eye awaken. Take the following, for example. Someone sees an angel and how it conquers a devil. The pupils of the eyes contract and expand. The picture does not, however, remain only within, but is projected outward. The archangels have worked on the eyes for millions of years. We should consciously imitate the condition of sleep in meditation. We differentiate four kinds of ether, warmth ether, light ether, chemical or tone ether, and life ether. We are at first embedded in the warmth ether, the feeling of being chilled, of not being able to warm ourselves on our own, such as we notice upon awakening in a room that is not sufficiently heated, occurs in meditation. There is an effect on the warmth forces, the nervous system, the sense system, and the glandular system. Especially the glandular system is worked on. It is for this reason that often in meditation something comes up that lies hidden in our depths. An example was given of a person with a sweet tooth having in the glandular system secret desires that announce themselves as pictures, as visions of all kinds. 
In the warmth ether we must not feel ourselves limited by our skin, but must extend beyond it, just as esotericists learn to feel themselves to be far greater than the limits of the skin. We feel ourselves full of inner warmth, like an oven. Into this substance pour the unpurified feelings, desires, and so on, and cloud the meditation by darkening the light, light ether, that wants to enter. Meditate, quote, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not accept it, close quote. There is a means to make progress. Meditating on the imagination of the Rose Cross. Our desires and passions must burn in the smelting furnace of the warmth ether. Because, in the spiritual, all concepts must be transformed and become their opposite, we must say that the desires and passions stiffen, they freeze. It is not comfortable for any esotericist to be surrounded by the region of cold. Because the parts that comprise the Rose Cross are taken from the physical world, we say, burn. This is the reason for the charred wood of the cross. Out of the spiritual, the luminous roses blossom forth. The threefold human being offers thinking, feeling, and willing. In the light ether, Lucifer. When he works from within outward, he becomes an evil force. If he works from outside inward, then he is a good force, because the good gods can thereby make use of him. Ex Deo, we were subjected to the Luciferic influences. End of the Esoteric Lesson Esoteric Lesson given in Leipzig on January 2, 1914 Record A What matters deeply to all esotericists is the success of their meditative efforts. All of them have success even if they do not notice it. Beginning esotericists complain often about pain. These painful afflictions are disorders that arise in the body because the physical and etheric bodies are not in proper contact with each other. The pain was there earlier, too, but human beings simply did not feel it, because then they were coarser and more robust. Esotericists must learn to endure such pain. Naturally, they must learn to differentiate between this pain and an illness process in which case they must intervene. Why is it that we know our physical body so little? It is because we live within it and perceive it only through feelings. We see with our eyes and so therefore cannot observe them. Esotericists must learn to pull back with their soul's spiritual nature and free themselves from the physical. Then they will manage to observe their physical body. It helps for this if we gather our thoughts together as much as possible to a point, concentrate on this point, immerse ourselves in it, and dwell within it for a time. Through such concentration a strengthening of the force of thinking takes place, and through this we can gradually succeed in observing our physical body. First Subsidiary Exercise Control of Thought Further, we must learn to know our etheric body. This is still more difficult, because the etheric body is not enclosed in skin as is the physical body. The etheric body is a fine web that sends its streams out everywhere into the outer world, 
and also receives impressions from everything in the outer world. Often human beings are totally unaware of this. We learn to sense the etheric body through a proper practicing of the second subsidiary exercise, the exercise of the will. Ordinarily, we are driven to our actions by outer impressions. We see a flower in the meadow, and because we like it, we reach our hand out to pick it. Now, as esotericists, we must attain the ability to act only out of the inner impulses that we can consciously give ourselves, and therefore without a stimulus from outside. Then we come to know that it is the etheric body which causes the hand to move. Thus we feel our etheric body awaken. Through this awakening etheric body, we gradually learn to experience ourselves in an etheric world. In reality, there occurs with every movement we make, for instance in taking hold of an object or bumping into it, an assault on the outer world. Non-esotericists have no inkling of this. They are protected from this knowledge by the guardian of the threshold. Esotericists, however, gradually attain the independence of their etheric body that experiences itself in the etheric world. Their organs become finer. They acquire a sense for the fact that every space is filled not only with physical objects, but with countless elemental beings that make themselves noticeable through sticking, hitting, and burning. Everywhere in this elemental, etheric world, we must create space for ourselves through will impulses, such as reaching out, pulling back, expansion and contraction, hitting, walking forward, etc. Such movements must occur with full consciousness, so that we will them out of our own being. That is the second exercise, initiative of the actions. Those who cannot create space for themselves in the etheric world without their initiative will can do just as little in this etheric world as people in the physical world could if they wanted to dance on a stage filled with chairs. The chairs must be cleared away first. We learn this in the spiritual realm through the second exercise. In order to become conscious of our astral body, we must do the opposite. We must hold back the desires surging in the astral body. We must develop tranquility and equanimity in relation to them. We must produce absolute calm and quiet within ourselves. Only then do we feel the outer astral world clash against our inner astral world. Just as we bump up against the etheric world by taking action in it from out of ourselves, in our willing, so do we feel the outer astral world by remaining quiet in ourselves, by stilling all desires and wishes. Before the astral body is far enough along, it deadens itself through a cry. We know that pain arises when the contact between the physical body and the etheric body is not right. The astral body feels this lack of proper contact as pain. When small children feel pain, they cry. They seek to drown out the pain in the crying. Adults will perhaps call out, Ow! If we have attained the ability to let our pain stream completely into the vibration of the tone,
such changes would arise in the formation of the etheric body through the vibrations that we would not feel the pain. It would sink into our subconsciousness. However, the good gods gave human beings a weaker disposition, and that is good, because otherwise there would be no suffering and also no articulate speech. Esotericists must come to bear quietly, calmly, and with equanimity all pain, absolutely everything that is stimulated in them from outside and everything that happens within them. Then they will not assault, through their astral body, the outer world, but rather the assaults turn toward them from the outside. Yet, because they have developed full composure and tranquility, the assaults will touch only their physical and etheric bodies. The astral body remains untouched. The astral body becomes free, so to speak, and hence they can observe it. Thus, through the exercises for equanimity, we learn to know our astral body. Finally, we must also come to know our eye. Capital. We cannot feel our eye because we live within it. Therefore, we must pour it out into the world. We learn to know our eye through what we designate as positivity. Parenthesis, the legend of the dog is told. Close parenthesis. When we act as Jesus Christ does, we do not see what is ugly, but enter into everything so that we can come to the good in it. In this way, we free ourselves from our eye and can observe it. I is love and will. Through the developed will, we learn to know of the essence of all things that originate in the divine. Through love, we learn to experience the being or essence of the things. Thus, through will and love, we advance to knowledge that is free of the personal I. We learn as a spiritual I to immerse ourselves in the being and substance of all things that proceed from out of the spiritual father ground, such as our own I. Our I is beholding us from out of all created things, in parentheses, swan. Esoteric students achieve this stage of the swan when they can experience this. On the fifth stage, we develop manas, or spirit self. We must not take as our foundation what we have up until now seen, heard, and learned. We must learn to meet everything that approaches us in such a manner that we are as if empty of everything that was experienced before now. We can develop manas only when we learn to consider all that we have attained through our own thinking as being of less worth in relation to what we can attain by opening ourselves to the thinking that streams in from the God-woven cosmos. Everything that surrounds us has come into being from out of these divine thoughts. We have not been able to discover this through the thinking we have had up until now. There things are hidden from us. Now we learn to sense behind everything the divinity, like a hidden riddle. More and more we learn in modesty to see how little of this riddle we have been able to solve up to this point. And we learn that we must actually remove everything from our soul that we have learned before. 
We must approach everything in an unbiased, free manner, like a child, because the divine riddles that surround us present themselves only to the unbiased soul. The soul must become childlike in order to be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven. The hidden wisdom, manas, then streams like a gift of grace out of the spiritual world toward the childlike soul. It is not necessary for us to go any further because through these five stages we will have established contact with the spiritual world. We must then still establish the harmonious working together of the capacities obtained through the five exercises. This harmony of cooperation is built through the constant repetition of these five exercises. This then builds the sixth exercise of the subsidiary exercises. These exercises are of the greatest importance. The soul can find its way into the spiritual worlds through these exercises. You find in all the writings, lecture cycles and other lectures, indications and instructions for these five exercises. And there would be no need for an esoteric lesson to take place if everyone would read these instructions attentively and awaken and bring to life in their soul the forces in these exercises. They serve as a support to the special exercises given. Esotericists must be attentive to the smallest details. As soon as we approach the spiritual worlds, we must observe everything conscientiously, but in a totally different way than in the physical. It is for this reason that esotericists must make these exercises a constant part of their inner life and must kindle themselves ever again to renewed striving and renewed observations. Otherwise, it is not possible for them to achieve insights into the spiritual world. Above all, esotericists must practice patience. Most think that after they have practiced for a brief time, they can gain entrance into the spiritual world, that all the portals would then be open for them. Bear in mind that an important impulse or idea needs 19 years to be grasped and understood well. When esotericists believe that after some practice they are now, without anything further, ripe for entrance into the spiritual worlds, it is like when a child that has just learned to speak would say, it would take too long to wait for years to become an adult, I want to be an adult now. The second thing that we must learn in the esoteric life is truthfulness. Those who have not learned it in physical life will have great trouble upon their ascent into the spiritual world. Because upon entering the spiritual world they must leave behind their logical thinking and everything bound to the intellect. And they will not be corrected by the facts like they are in the physical world. The good gods set human beings in the physical world precisely to learn truthfulness, because every untruth, those things that do not correspond to the facts, is corrected by the facts. The tendency for truthfulness can be gained only in the physical world, not first in the spiritual world. Finally, esotericists must strive to train themselves to have as a matter of habit a good memory. The keeper of the memory is the etheric body, but without the physical body, 
it would not be able to preserve it well. Impressions are made upon the nerves, and these impressions must be written into the physical body. The body is the recording apparatus, so to speak, of what we wish to retain. When we want to recall something, we penetrate with the etheric body to that place in the physical body where it is written. The memory picture then becomes alive, and we read it from the physical body. Students who must learn something by heart keep repeating it over and over until they have written it into themselves. However, then it can happen, for instance, that when they are learning, quote, es stand in alten Zeiten, close quote, there stood in ancient times, that they impress it mightily into the physical body by using the sounds of the words. Such a writing into and reading out of ourselves must take place automatically by our making it an inner habit to penetrate all actions with our intention and thinking. For spiritual experiences, we cannot use the physical body as an organ of memory. What is habitual or automatic must replace it. We must call before our soul the nuances of impressions that belong to the memory. The content of what flows to the meditants when after a meditation they empty their soul, even of the influence of the meditation, is in a certain sense a wage or earnings. A meditation will never again be exactly the same as it was before. What flows to us depends on our morality and on our love of truth, on how we have lived since the last meditation. If we in some way did not remain truthful, or if we have let wrath and anger arise in us, nothing can stream into us from the spiritual world. With this situation it is as we deserve. Through attentive examination or searching, we will always find that the reason we are not blessed with the spiritual lies in some untruth, in some welling up of wrath, or in something similar. The end of Record A. Record B. Extract. A second thing that we must practice in the esoteric life is truthfulness. Those who have not practiced truthfulness in physical life will have great difficulty with their ascent into the spiritual worlds because they must leave behind their logical thinking and everything that is bound to the intellect, and they will not be corrected by the physical world. The good gods wanted to train human beings to truthfulness by setting them into the physical world. The inclination toward truthfulness can be acquired only in the physical world, not first in the spiritual world. Finally, esotericists must strive to train themselves automatically to have a good memory. This can be accomplished by doing everything with a strong consciousness, by always being totally conscious with everything. We all know the story of the man who did not have much of a sense of spatial relationships and never knew where he had laid things. In order to deal with this, he set up various tables in his room and laid everything on them. There are scholars who can work only if they have around themselves twelve tables upon which their reference books lie open in order to have the quotes easily at hand and they must move from one table to the next. We 
smile at this, but in reality this is the way it is in the subconscious of all of us. The preserver of the memory is the etheric body, but it would not preserve the memory well without the physical body. The nerves receive impressions, and they must be written into the physical body. The physical body is, so to say, the recording device for what we wish to retain. When we wish to recall something, we penetrate the physical body with the etheric body to that point where we have written the memory. Then the memory picture becomes alive and we read it from the physical body. Students who have to learn something by heart continue to repeat the content aloud until it is written into themselves. However, it can happen, for example, that when they learn, quote, es stand in alten Zeiten ein Schloss, so hoch und her, close quote, there stood in olden times a castle so high and lofty, they press it powerfully into the physical body with the help of the sound of the words. Such writing into and reading must become automatic by making it our inner habit to penetrate all actions with our attention and thinking. For spiritual experiences we cannot use the physical body as an organ of memory. What is habit must take its place. We must call before our mind's eye, E-Y-E, the nuances of feeling that belong with it. End of record B, record C. Much changes through our meditative life. We must pay attention subtly to everything in order to become aware of the transformation. In ordinary life, we are usually not conscious of our physical body as being part of the outer world, although it belongs to the outer world. Number one, through concentrated thinking, through our concentration exercises, we become gradually conscious of our physical body as something outside of us. We feel it as something that is there and that belongs to us to a certain extent. Number two, through the initiative of actions, control of the will impulses, we become conscious of our etheric body. As long as we simply will or want something because of the stimuli of the outer world, we do not feel in the etheric body the streams and currents that come into movement when we act. We must create space around us when we want to do something out of ourselves, just as someone who wants to dance has to move, first move tables and chairs out of the way. As soon as we do something out of ourselves, without being stimulated from outside, we strengthen ourselves from within. We send our will from within outward and then feel the streams and movements that must occur in the etheric body with every deed. Every movement is an assault on the outer world. We become more and more conscious that every space is filled with many elemental beings. When we act from within outward, we bump into these elemental beings and through this become conscious of our etheric body. Number three, in order to become conscious of our astral body, we must do just the opposite. We must hold back the desires surging in our astral body. Instead of letting everything go out from us, we must develop calmness and equanimity. Then, being quiet within ourselves, we feel the outer astral world bump into us. 
Thus, as we bump into the etheric world by intervening in it from within ourselves, action from the will center, we feel the astral world bump into us because we remain quiet within ourselves and still all desires, wishes, and the welling up of pleasure and pain. Before people have developed equanimity in themselves, they deaden themselves to the desires working within them by crying. They let them go out in sounds. However, because our astral body is weakened by the gods, this letting things out through sounds becomes articulate speech and song. Number four, we become conscious of our I, capital, when we develop positivity in ourselves, when we develop out of ourselves judgments that enable us to see the beauty in everything, even in the ugliest manifestations. Number five, and through impartiality or trust, through going out of ourselves over into the other, in order to take him or her into ourselves, we learn to know and feel the spirit self. Under the influence of these exercises, our soul life changes. Our memory no longer becomes something that is written into the physical body. This must be replaced through the inner habit of independently reflecting upon and thinking about everything. For this, we must overcome all laziness. We must have patience. An important impulse, an important idea, needs 19 years in order to be properly taken up inwardly and to be understood. Our truthfulness must also become an inner habit. It then gives us the sense for the correct and the true. Thus we see again that everything for the esoteric life is already given in our literature. Esotericists must be attentive to even the smallest things. We must conscientiously observe everything and must enkindle within ourselves the drive to new striving and to renewed observation and patience. E-D-N-I-C-M-P-S-S-R The end of record C, record D. Esotericists often notice that feelings of pain appear that they had not known before. These pains were already there before, but did not make themselves noticeable as disturbances. Now we notice them. It is not a matter here of having self-pity, even though we may not neglect anything to do with our health. How do we come to a feeling of the physical body? We do not feel the physical body when everything relating to it is in order, which means when also the etheric parts correspond to it properly. If the two do not correspond properly to one another, pain arises. Through concentration of the thinking, we must come to exert an influence on the physical body or to develop a more aware consciousness of the physical body. Calling out, Ow! at the sensing of pain is a method of deadening it. Through initiative of action, etheric body. Through the equanimity exercise, astral body. Through positivity, I. Through impartiality, lack of prejudice, spirit self. 
That is the highest stage to which we raise ourselves at first. Other exercises then reach further upward. The end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Bremen, January 11, 1914. As soon as we begin to meditate, the etheric body contracts. Through this an inner warmth arises because the warmth ether, the lowest ether, is what contracts. Above the warmth ether are the light ether, tone ether, and life ether. When we pay attention to what is outside of us, we will perceive that there is something that is as if flowing, like a kind of religious devotion, a moral warmth in the cosmic ether. And we become aware that what we have within us is something different. It is like a feeling that we must be ashamed of ourselves before this moral cosmic warmth. Human beings do not like to do this. They do not like to be ashamed of themselves, and so they avoid it. For this reason, they say, they are not making any progress. They hide from themselves. Only through the development of our will nature can we progress. When we say that we cannot, it really means we will not. We do not want to develop our will. We should often look and listen into our physical body and seek to perceive in sacred stillness the whispers and murmurs there. We must direct all attention away from the outside. That means to be attentive in spite of what is going on outside. However, we must conscientiously direct the power of attention inward because to be merely inattentive to, unconscious of, what is going on outside of us is damaging to us, even right into the physical body. With the non-attention in question here, we indeed perceive everything. Everything makes an impression, though our consciousness should not be directed toward it, but rather toward the meditation. In the physical body, our consciousness must be directed to what is going on outside. Otherwise, it is not as it should be. The end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Berlin on January 24, 1914. Record A. We differentiate three parts of our soul life, consciousness soul, intellectual soul, and sentient soul. These three parts should not be completely equated separately with either thinking or feeling or willing, because each of the three soul members possesses thinking, feeling, and willing. The people who come to esotericism are of a more feeling nature, and indeed especially those such as have a religious nature. Not all feeling people are at the same time religious, yet those feeling types that tend toward esoteric development are for the most part of a religious disposition. Such natures, more often than not, quite easily acquire general ideas about the spiritual world and also easily attain imaginations. These people are largely spared what makes the ascent into the spiritual world so difficult for others. Their cares are taken away by an angel being. They are carried across the threshold by their angel, Such people can experience much that is beautiful in the spiritual world, 
and when they have something to say about it, we should listen well to what they have to say. Then there are people who act out of the will-like nature, who come out of the emotions and the emotional life to esoteric development. This does not need to preclude the possibility that they could express critical comments or ridicule. Such people have infinitely more difficulty than others. Precisely when they stand before the threshold, they are so greatly tormented by their emotions that it can become physical agony. In their meditation they are tormented and hindered by devils. These people want to enter into the spiritual world, but have the feeling that they cannot. We ourselves cannot choose how we want to be, whether we belong to one or the other path. Yet we can, to a great extent, choose the third path, the path of thinking. In spite of that, this path is taken by very few. One hears people say, I cannot imagine, for example, how the moon evolution was. Yet that is our fault. A farmer at any rate would easily comprehend the Saturn, Sun and Moon periods of evolution. When people say that they cannot grasp it, it means only that they do not want to acknowledge it because they have never seen it. When we see people who are thirty years old, we know that they must have been children at one time, not because we have always seen that adults were once children, but because they could not be the way they are now without having had other developmental stages behind them. Even if we had never seen a child, we would still know that an adult must have been a child. Our mantra, ex Deo Nasimur, in Christo Morimur, speaks of the Father God who has Christ as His Son. It was a deep thought of Christianity to express this relationship with the help of the Father and Son relationship. The Father can remain without the Son, It is a gift of the Father that He allows the Son to proceed out of Himself. In addition to various explanations that have been given for our Rosicrucian mantra, we can also meditate on this as one of the deepest possible. The end of record A, record B. People who become esotericists more out of their feeling nature have it easier than the others. They can be led through their religious feeling life to strive esoterically because only those with a religious feeling nature become real esotericists. They can then relatively quickly see visions and enter the imaginative world. It is as if they would be carried over the threshold by their angel and it is their karma to have it easier than the others. These feeling natures can often help the other much by giving pictures of what they behold. These pictures must not then awaken a kind of jealousy or envy. Rather, we must recognize that they can be of great help. Others strive esoterically more out of the will nature, which is connected in our time more with the emotions. They too can come into the spiritual world, some even easily, but they have more difficulty than those of a feeling nature. In their meditation they are often driven as if by devils. When they come to the threshold they are tormented in the physical body by their emotions and by the consciousness of their passions and their emotional nature. 
The third path is through thinking. It is the surest path, and in the future will more and more become the path for all human beings. However, this path is now actually taken by relatively few, because there are still many people who would rather enter the spiritual world quickly without going through the effort of thoroughly working through everything that can be taken up by thinking. This path of thinking takes longer than the other ways. However, when we then come to the threshold, even though it is after a long time, we have gained, through grasping the spiritual lawfulness of things, such a great and broad interest that we can peacefully take our karma upon ourselves. Because we have learned to feel at one with humanity to such a high degree, and we then know that our personal shortcomings will be reconciled and compensated for in future lives. We can then come to a deeper concept of the relationship between Father, God, and Son. The Father must be there before the Son can be there, yet it is the free will of the Father to allow the Son to be there. Feeling ourselves one with the Son who is in the God in the human soul we can then come to a deeper knowledge of the mantra E-D-N-I-C-M and then later we will come to a realization of the P-S-S-R. End of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Hanover, February 7, 1914 Mantra of the Day, Saturday All esotericists will make progress if they simply do their exercises with the proper perseverance and intensity. If they do not progress, it is because they have not given enough attention to what comes from the spiritual world. What comes is totally intimate and subtle. We must live completely in the words given for the meditation. Everything else must not be there for the meditants. They must be as if transported out of the physical body. They must be conscious only of their I, capital. At the end of the meditation, even its content is to be wiped away, and only the awakened I, empty of content, is to be there. Those are the most fruitful moments during which the spiritual world can flow into the meditant. Or also, during the day we may suddenly have the feeling of something flitting by, so that we know that was something out of the spiritual world. A feeling of deep devoutness overcomes us then. The content of what flows to the meditants when they have made their soul empty after meditation, also empty of the after-effects and reverberations of the meditation, is according to what each ha has earned. It will be the same as it was before. This content depends on our morality, on our love for the truth, on how we have lived and been since the last meditation. If we have in any way not kept completely to the truth, or if we have let anger arise in us, nothing can stream into us out of the spiritual world. It is as we deserve. Through attentive searching we will always find the reason for our not being blessed by the spiritual world in some untruth, in an outburst of wrath or something similar. When exotericists 
who know nothing about theosophy, say a prayer, for instance the Lord's Prayer, they easily have with the first words a feeling of warmth, of devoutness. That comes out of a personal feeling, however. Esotericists will at first sense a feeling of coldness with their prayer. They may not carry anything personal into their prayer. They must let only the spiritual content of the prayer work. The inner, real warmth comes then out of the spiritual itself and not out of the personal. When, with the practice of concentration, the first subsidiary exercise, we occupy ourselves with one object, the more unusual the better, that we have chosen, making each thought follow and connect with the one before, and then if, at the end of the exercise, we do not immediately engage in hustle and bustle but remain still for at least fifteen minutes, we will experience something. Not immediately, or after a week, or after a month, but after a while of continued earnest exercise, we will feel as if something wave-like would come into the head, into the brain. It is as if the etheric body in wave lines came back into the head. With the second subsidiary exercise, the initiative exercise, in which at a specific time we exert the will to perform some activity, we feel with time as if we had been active in our etheric body. We have the feeling, I have felt myself in my etheric body. A feeling of deep reverence and piety penetrates the soul of the meditant. With the third subsidiary exercise, the balance equanimity between joy and suffering, we should find our way into and accept all happenings. Then our etheric body will gradually expand into the widths of heaven. We will no longer feel ourselves to be within our body with the whole world around us but we will feel our body spread out into the whole surroundings. We will feel ourselves expanded and poured into the spiritual worlds. We feel ourselves, we know ourselves to be in the spiritual world. In these three subsidiary exercises, we experience the first two sentences of our Rosicrucian mantra. We experience how we were completely embedded in the divine spiritual forces and have descended out of them and how in the third exercise we pour ourselves into the spiritual world, into Christ. For Christ is in the aura of the earth, within the earth's atmosphere. We must let him work in us, so to speak, beside us. With the fourth subsidiary exercise, the exercise for positivity, readers aside at this point a gap occurs in the text, Per Spiritum Sanctum Revivissimus. Just as we walk through a meadow and see red and blue flowers and know that these flowers are red and blue, we will also come to really experience the truth of our Rosicrucian mantra, Ex Deo Nasimur, in Christo Moremur, per Spiritum Sanctum Revivissimus. In the spirit lay the germ of my body, and the spirit has imprinted in my body the eyes of sense, that, through them, I may see the light of bodies, And the Spirit has imprinted in my body reason and sensation and feeling and will, that through them I may perceive bodies and act upon them. In the Spirit lay the germ of my body. 
In my body lies the germ of the spirit, and I will incorporate into my spirit the supersensuous eyes, that through them I may behold the light of spirits. And I will imprint in my spirit wisdom and power and love, so that through me the spirits may act, and I become the self-conscious organ of their deeds. In my body lies the germ of the spirit. End of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Stuttgart on March 5th, 1914. Record A. We know that all who strive for esoteric development must gradually transform their whole thinking from what it is in ordinary sense life in order to find their way into the spiritual world. We must, so to speak, change our ideas and views and our entire perceptual life and feeling life must change and become different from what they have been up until now. What is our thinking actually in ordinary life? We are accustomed to think that thinking takes place in the physical body, but this is not so. The etheric body is the originator of our thoughts. The only thing our physical body has to do with this is that it serves as a mirror for our thoughts, reflecting the picture back to us so we can attain consciousness. We can make this clear with an example. When we look into a mirror, we have a reflection or mirror image before us. The mirror gives us the outer impression of our physical form, thus a shadow of our outer person. Likewise, when we think the thoughts that have their living seat in the etheric body, they are reflected shadow images from our physical brain. What purpose, then, do the concentration exercises given to us serve? They free us gradually from a thought shadows because we concentrate and contract ourselves in the etheric body so that we can penetrate to the true source of our thoughts, which have their life in the etheric body. It should become ever clearer to us that not only are our thoughts shadows, but that all of our perceptions are really a nothingness, and that only the spiritual world exists as a reality. In the philosophical sense, naive people say, that what they perceive with the outer senses has existence, is reality. Philosophers have tried in all kinds of ways to fathom existence. Spiritual researchers know that the word Sein, existence, comes from Zein, to see. Sein means that one has seen. The word is actually a participle of Zein. Yet no one can see Sein, existence, in the physical world because it rests in the spiritual world. However, we behold the spirit only when we do not see matter. Matter is actually nothing. It is surrounded by spirit, which is the real. We can clarify this with the following example. When we have before us a bottle of soda water and look through the clear water, we do not actually see the water, but rather we see the gleaming globules of carbon dioxide that rise like shining pearls. And what are these sparkling, shining pearls other than empty air bubbles? 
only filled with a substance that is much thinner than that of the water. In comparison with the water, it is a nothingness. Thus what we see here is nothingness. In contrast, we do not see the true water in which this rests. Thus we must come to realize that all of the space around us is filled with spiritual realities, beings and facts, and that there where we perceive the things of the physical world is a nothingness, a mere whole. When we stretch out our arm, we are pushing it through the spiritual world. We do not feel this. Only when we hit our hand against the nothingness, against the matter, do we feel a resistance. In reality, we do not see the objects in space, but the contours of the spiritual world that form the boundaries of these objects. When we have come to the point that we let fall away all the shadow nature of both our thoughts and our outer surroundings, we grow into the spiritual world. In order to be able to stand in the right manner in the new world and be able to understand and judge the things and facts of the spiritual world, we must already have changed our entire thinking in the physical world through esoteric development. This is a new world for us, but it is a world of greater reality than the one we have known so far. There we enter a world of real things and beings, and we connect with them. We grow into this world. This world penetrates us and we lose our earthly thoughts to it. We could say that we lose our head to this world while the beings and things of this world move into us. It is as if we were to stick our head into an anthill. Then the consciousness of the elemental world arises for us. When our soul life is strengthened evermore through the concentration of our thoughts so that our inner self can separate more and more from the physical body, then the things of that world step before our soul's eye, E-Y-E, in ever clearer imaginations and visions. We will see that all of our thoughts that we have had on earth of the good, the benevolent, the noble, have transformed into eternal imaginations that in their living further lend worth to the universe. And we will see that all the bad, the evil, and all the lower egotistical thoughts remain behind as waste products. It becomes something that is unfruitful, but that then becomes nourishment for what should develop into the seed of the good. Just as here on the physical plane, the mineral soil provides the nutrients for the plant world, so will all that is badly thought become the precipitate for the thoughts of the good, the true, and the beautiful that are sprouting in the elemental world. For this reason, esotericists can ever so quickly think something bad or false and imagine it in their thoughts, but they do not let it go further. They know that they may go only to the point at which it remains a thought. They do not let it go over into deed, into a reality. They only let it prepare and make up the soil out of which the seed of the good can grow. And thus it has actually happened in the world order. This is how the mineral kingdom of the earth has come into being. On the old moon the Elohim thought the error this was appropriate to do there. 
and out of this matter the mineral kingdom arose. Out of this earthly material, earthly dust, Yahweh Elohim was able to create the human being and provide the physical sheath. However, Lucifer, who now stands at a similar level upon which the Elohim stood on Old Moon, wants to carry out this same thing. He can use only human beings for this. He can think the error only within human beings. We wish to develop ourselves to become an organ of the spiritual world. Just as we also developed our physical organs into organs for the sunlight. The germ or seed for that process was within us. Likewise, the seed for this spiritual development is present in us. We can develop it only through strict, earnest self-training, self-education. In the book titled How to Know Higher Worlds, various means are given through concentration and so on that will allow us to become really free of the physical body. So that through this split in our being we can cross the threshold of the spiritual world and can behold the true spiritual reality. How we are to relate to the physical world and to this new spiritual world is expressed in the lines of the following verses. Those people who have already received a mantra for their meditation may meditate the following in any way they like. For those who have not already received a verse, meditate the first verse in the morning and the second in the evening. The third verse shall be done only from time to time. It is to a certain extent a testing of how far we have come toward achieving what is striven for in the first two verses. Readers aside, I'm going to read the verses because they're repeated in the other records. I'm going to read the German first in this first set and then the English after each one. I apologize for my German attempt. Verse 1 zu den Dingen wend ich mich, wend ich mich mit meinen Sinnen. Sinnen sein, du täuschest mich, was als nichts, das das Ein flieht. Dir ist's Sein und Wesenheit, was dir nichtig scheinen muss, offenbare meinem Innern sich. I turn to things. I turn with my senses. Sense being, you deceive me. What flees existence as nothing is being and essence to you. May what must seem to you worth nothing reveal itself within me. Close quote. And this person says, quote, I must achieve this, close quote. It is the taking of a stance in relation to the new outer world. Second verse, German first. Geistes Licht erwarme mich, las in der mich wollend fühlen. Gut gedachtes, wahr erkanntes, wie erlebt dich leuchtend ich, irrtumsweben. Bös erdachtes, zeige dich der Leuchterseele, dass ich webend in mir sei. Spirit light, warm me. 
Let me feel myself willing in you. What is well-thought, cognized truth? How does the luminous I experience you? Weaving error, badly thought out, show yourself to the beacon of my soul that I may be weaving in myself. Close quote. That is a question within, experiencing in the new existence. Verse 3 Leuchtend ich und leuchte Seele, man selbst, schwebet über warm Werdewesen. Das erdachte, das erkannte, wird jetzt dich des Geistes sein. Und wie leichter das ein Sperlen, lebt im Meer des göttlich Wahren, was den Sinnen das ein täuscht. Luminous eye and beacon soul, one self. Hover above true being of becoming, what is thought out, what cognized, condenses now to spirit being. And like pearls of existence there dwells in the sea of divine truth what deceives the sense's existence. In expectation of truth, it is a guess, a feeling of the new self. It is the experiencing of truth, the experiencing in the spiritual world. Each of these verses in turn contains an elaboration of what is given in sequence and compressed into ten words in our Rosicrucian mantra, Ex Deo Nasimur, In Christo Morimur, Perspiritum Sanctum Revivissimus, and of Record A. Record B. I want to add the following verses and meditations for those who have not been able to receive a mantra for meditation. The first verse is to be done in the evening after the review of the day. The second verse is to be done in the morning, and the third is to be done every now and then. Bracket translators note the order is reversed in record A. Close bracket. Number one, E-D-N. I turn to the things. I turn with my senses. Sense being, you deceive me. What flees existence as nothing is being and essence to you. May what must seem to you worth nothing reveal itself within me. Number two, I see am. Spirit light, warm me. Let me feel myself willing in you. What is well thought Cognize truth, how does the luminous eye experience you? Weaving error, badly thought out, show yourself to the beacon of my soul, that I may be weaving in myself. Number three, PSSR. Luminous eye and beacon soul, oneself. Hover above true being of becoming. What is thought out, what cognized, condenses now to spirit being, and like pearls of existence, there dwells in the sea of divine truth what deceives the sense's existence. Close quote. The last verse should be thought through only now and then as a 
test of what has been experienced in the other two verses. These will then become clear to us. In these meditations is elaborated what is compressed into the ten words of the Rosicrucian prayer, E-D-N-I-C-M-P-S-S-R. The etheric body is the author or creator of our thoughts. Our physical body has only so much to do with it as to be the mirror of our thoughts. It reflects the image of the thoughts, and through this the thoughts become perceptible to us. Through our concentration we should come to free ourselves from the shadow thoughts. Through the contraction of our soul, of ourselves in the etheric body, we should attain pure thinking, which has its seat in the etheric body. It must become evident to us that all of our perceptions are a nothingness, and that only the spiritual world exists as a reality. The spiritual world is the true existence. When we understand the word Sein, existence, properly, we realize that all of the space around us is filled with spiritual things and beings that are realities. And we realize that when we see physical things and beings, there is a whole, a nothingness. When we stretch out our arm, we penetrate through this filled spiritual world. It is only when our hand bumps against the nothingness, against the matter, that we feel resistance. In reality, we do not see the physical objects in space, but rather the outlines or contours of the spiritual world. No one can see beingness, existence, because it rests in the spiritual. And we see the spiritual only when we do not see matter. If we have trained ourselves so that we let the shadow nature of our thoughts and surroundings fall away, we then grow into the spiritual world. In order for us to be able to get used to the spiritual world, we have to transform our entire thinking here in the physical world. This esoteric development helps us to grasp properly the things of the spiritual world. End of Record B. Record C. Quote, I turn to things. I turn with my senses. Sense being, you deceive me. What flees existence as nothing is being and essence to you. May what must seem to you worth nothing reveal itself within me. Spirit light, warm me. Let me feel myself willing in you. What is well thought, cognized truth? How does the luminous eye experience you? Weaving error, badly thought out, show yourself to the beacon of my soul that I may be weaving in myself. Luminous eye and beacon soul, hover above true being of becoming, what is thought out, what cognized, condenses now to spirit being. And like pearls of existence, there dwells in the sea of divine truth what deceives the sense's existence. Close quote. For verse 1, sense being, you deceive me. Feeling of being banished to the physical body, to harmonize. Reveal itself within me, E-D-N, attainment of this belief. For verse 2, first line, petition to the spiritual light. Second line, a force of the soul, 
the willing feeling and the feeling willing in the spiritual world. Fourth line, petitioning question, questioning petition. Sixth line, again a petition. Seventh line, only a petition to experience in a distant future the good and the evil separated out. Between death and birth our deeds distance themselves. 4. Verse 3. Feel yourself more and more at home in the world that is to be known through clairvoyance. Self-examination. To what extent can you experience concretely what is there? What deceives the sense's existence? The adept experiences as cosmic life. The last three lines are a calm, quiet statement of spiritual happenings. When we meditate these three formulations or verses with feeling, the higher hierarchies promise us their help. We may then say we are coming closer to you. Then they reach out their hand in help to us. They keep their promise. Feel PSSR as truth. Zain, existence, comes from Zayn to see. The end of that esoteric lesson and the end of section 5 of the book up to page 234.